Welcome to Once More with Feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffy fan cast. I am your watcher, Donna. I'm your watcher, Adrian. I'm your watcher, Jack. We're seated differently today. Yes, we are. It's very strange. We did, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are in a different location where we have an air conditioning event right behind us and two dogs wandering around. And Apologies. I'm, <laughs> I'm apologizing for things I, clickety, I sh- clackety, clickety, shouldn't clackety. be pointing out. So anyway, maybe I'll just edit all that out. we are we just got done watching lie to me literally (laughs) so um this is one of my favorite episodes and i'm really hoping the same is true for jack and adrian it was written and directed by joss whedon and it was really good and it originally aired on november 3rd 1997 one thing i'm finding with this season that I'm really enjoying is not that the episodes are not all 100%. They're not hitting on every episode, but this season is setting up so many things. And this episode, they, they really lay out for us what the nature of the vampire is. They say, this is, this is our mythology. This is what a vampire is. It's, it's a demon Mm -hmm. that's inside of a person. And uh, they also, this establishes a character that comes back several times. She, she's going by Chanterelle in this episode but she comes back next season and then she comes she shows up as a fairly important supporting character in angel mm-hmm. down the line yeah i loved her with the moment she got introduced i was like yes she <laughs> I, got, she, I saw her before she even said a word and i was like <gasps> and until angel she changed her name every single time you see her yes mm-hmm. like a name oh, hold that... on hold on let's get a synopsis of this episode yeah 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 let's do that um so basically what happens is that the episode starts with uh, Buffy's old friend from her old high school, whose name is Ford, shows up, and Xander hates him, of course, because he's pretty. And uh, then, almost immediately, we start to become suspicious of Ford. For instance, he claims to have killed a vampire. Well, first, he knows about vampires, and he knows Buffy's a slayer. And then he claims to have killed a vampire that he didn't kill. And then it finally turns out that he's actually wanting to become a vampire because super sad story he has cancer and he's going to die and he says a lot of really interesting things but is that enough of a synopsis i think so yeah okay he basically he offers buffy to spike to get uh to be turned to in order to be turned so that he doesn't have to die because he has what he says is that he has about six months left to live Mm -hmm. and that is going to be a miserable six months right um, Chanterelle, back to Chanterelle. Uh, she comes back. She uh, she was she like also always is part of a cult of some kind. Like in every single episode, she's brought in. Uh, she's joined a cult until Angel. Until Angel, but in Buffy, she is mm-hmm. always a part of a cult. Even before this, mm-hmm. she was part of a cult with like some lame guy, uh, lame preacher guy who, and she went by the name Sister Sunshine. And that's okay to bring up because that happened in the past, quote unquote. <laughs> um, Her actual name is Joan Appleby. Appleby. Yeah. I don't know if she ever goes by Joan when uh, we she, see her. No, but Buffy does. That's right. I was thinking Buffy went by Anne, but you're right. Buffy no, Buffy by goes Joan. by Anne, and then she goes by Joan when she loses her memories in Tabula, Tabula Rasa. Rasa. Oh. 
Okay. I think that the the things that they do with Buffy and Chanterelle for now and Chanterelle are uh, really interesting because they do like Buffy and Chanterelle do not meet for very long, but that is a moment that sticks with Chanterelle for the rest of her life. When mm-hmm. we meet her in Angel, she is going by Buffy's middle name because of this. We'll talk about this again in Angel. No doubt. But um, what I love about that is how. What I, what I really like about the two of them is how it really focuses on how the littlest thing that you do, you may not even recognize a person, but your actions mm-hmm. still affected them. Sometimes heavily, sometimes for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, in Buffy's case, what she did was good, but, you know, I think you can flip that pretty easily and be like, you can also totally fuck somebody up. <laughs> yeah, like Angel did to Drusilla. Well, but he didn't... This wasn't a small moment with Drusilla, but uh, I... I really love the beginning of this episode. My, I have a lot, of, several notes on the beginning of this episode, um, like when Drusilla meets the little boy and she yeah. says something like, "You've got, you've got to be careful of strange people." Well, I'm not a person. Yeah. And what I like about that is that it shows this sort of strange insight that Drusilla has, where she like, I don't know if it's insight or like a lack of self confidence. But, like, she knows that she's a monster. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's an acknowledgement that we don't often get from Drusilla. It's insight, too, because in uh, Drusilla got to know really and truly what vampires were before in a way she that, became like, one. Yeah, in a way that maybe only Darla knows. Not even Darla, because Darla died of syphilis and she was saved by vampirism. Mm, um, that's true. Liam, like was was like an asshole. and was, happy to do it yeah and he was like and he well he wasn't happy to do it he was attacked by a random beautiful lady um but for him it was like uh, oh i've been attacked but for drusilla it was like i get to see exact she got to see exactly how monstrous vampires were so now that she's a vampire she's fully aware of what she is you know i wonder if that any of that i wonder what part drusilla plays in spike being special because Spike is... He a, is special. He is special. He, like, it is repeated later on throughout mm-hmm. Buffy and Angel that Spike is special because vampires don't love anything. Right. Without it, because you can't love without a soul, but Spike does. Mm-hmm. Spike loves Drusilla, and then he, spoiler, loves Buffy. And, and, um... Later on, Chris, we're moving way into, into uh, the end of season seven and, or rather season seven and into Angel. But even before Spike gets a soul and becomes like Angel, Spike has already become... Um, a good person. Yeah. <laughs> ish. A, a good-ish person. You know, yeah. he is... even He is... Uh, you know, he is helping people. He is... Uh, he cares about people. And that that's a thing that, that vampires just don't do. So, yeah, now... I mean, they before he gets a soul, they even trust him with Dawn. Yeah. Like, he is allowed to be alone with Dawn. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they would trust Angel with a soul with Dawn. I don't know. Um, but. But, yeah, so Spike is special. And I wonder how much of that is Drusilla's doing. I wonder if she has told him things or if, I mean, the... Sire has some sort of power over the child. Child. What what do they call it in this? 
I forget. I don't know. I don't know if they've ever told us what they call it. I, 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 feel, like I, I feel like I knew this at some point. My personal opinion, and I've got nothing to back this up with, I think it's just that William was special. I do. Um, I think... I think William, who was a very sensitive soul and a little bit of a... Mama's boy. A little bit of a mama's boy. Um, I think he was strong enough to maintain a little bit of who he was even after the demon came into him. I don't know. He seemed like a pretty typical... gothy high school poet to me. Um, and I... like, But Drusilla has always been special. Yeah. Even before she was changed, she could see the future. That's actually one of my comments here, because Angel, when Angel does talk about Drusilla, he says, first I made her insane, but I've seen your series, Angel, and she was pretty far off when you met her. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know that you made her well, insane. No, no, no. We never see her when they meet. We only see her at the convent. No, we do. We see her just walking down the street with her friends. Yeah. But she would, and she wasn't saying. She was. She off. was off. Okay. I won't say she was completely gone, but she she was not normal. Yeah. She was not. She was already. She already had visions. Like though that was. I'm pretty sure that was a thing she had before she was turned. Yeah. And so she was already not what you would consider to be a well-adjusted person, because she was having to deal with this thing in a time when that would. That marks, that's witchcraft. That's, yeah. that's a curse. That's something bad. But we are talking about stuff that happens way, way in the future as far as the series is concerned. True. I don't know. I just, I think that Drusilla probably has a lot to do with Spike being special. Okay. I'm going to say that uh, definitely Spike's soul uh, wouldn't be an issue because Spike's, Spike's like will, willpower, his presence of mind, his like consciousness um, that is all locked into the soul in this in this universe, and the soul is gone. Mm. So when we meet Spike, and until season uh, seven of Ange of Buffy, uh, Spike is absolutely one hundred percent like his soul is not there. So he is one hundred percent demon, and so it's got to be his demon. That, okay. That, so maybe his demon is special. Maybe his demon is special, but probably. Drusilla had a lot to do with it. I'm, I'm going to stick with it being Drusilla, because Drusilla is psychic. Like, she sees the future, but she also sees things about people. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to call her clairvoyant. She's clairvoyant. She's already something special in this world. She is like... Gwen? Raiden? Yeah. Like, like there are very few people who are innately special, but we meet Gwen Raiden and Angel, and she has lightning powers. And so Drusilla is clairvoyant like Gwen was... Electrokinetic. Electrokinetic. <laughs> yeah. okay. um, and so, I don't know. I feel like that makes Drusilla a special vampire. And I think that since she sired Spike, that makes Spike special somehow. Okay. Well, I want to talk about Ford. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Okay. I really love when Angel comes up to Drew and she says, or you'll hurt me. No, you can't do that anymore. And I feel like that is a really important line because that's when we get an idea of what Angel has done to her. Yeah. And how far it went. Like, I feel like that is more poignant than Angel trying to tell Buffy what he did to Drew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, actually, let's, the thing that I am really enjoying about this rewatch as far as Drusilla, I don't think I ever appreciated how laden with meaning everything she says is. Yeah. 
And she's referring to Buffy. She says, poor little thing. She has no idea what's in store. And um, there's some bad stuff coming for I Buffy. I mean, forever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, but I think she was refer specifically referring to Angel in yeah. that case. So, um, and that, that song that she was singing, Run and Catch, The Lamb is Caught in the Blackberry Patch, that's a fairly good description of what happens at the end of this episode because they're all caught. Yeah. Everyone ends up caught in that trap. So, um, I just, I feel like Drusilla gets skipped a lot. Like, Drusilla is a really, really fantastic character. And it makes me a little bit sad that Angel and Spike get so much more of the talk. And maybe it's just because Angel and Spike have a longer lifespan. Well, yeah, they're both. The girls don't turn good, only the guys do. Well, there's that. I don't, I don't know that Drew can. It may not be possible for Drew to Even be good. Even if she got her, if she got her soul back, she'd just be tormented. Like it would yeah. be really bad. I don't. I, I think that that. I think that the point. Darla could. Darla, Darla did, did actually. Darla did. Okay. But but I think that I think that the whole point, not the point, but I think that the thing that's happening with Drusilla and that is try that that they try to point out over and over again is that this is. Angelus's masterpiece. Drusilla is the worst thing he ever did, and it's a perfect destruction of a person. So, oh, real quick before we leave the, <laughs> before we leave the teaser, uh, the way the camera was framed, there's no angel didn't see Buffy's big head watching him. That's true. Yeah, there was. It was almost impossible for him not to see her. Yeah, like but, it yeah. was almost like he was specifically trying to look away. Like mm -hmm. I must not look. <laughs> directly up and to my left. It was an engine. Okay, damn it. I'm talking about Ford. Now. Okay, Ford. Okay, so th a couple of things I really kind of like about Ford as a character is he is living in a movie and to the point that he will not continue talking to Spike until Spike says the villain line that Ford wants him to say. Yeah. You've got 30 seconds to convince me not to kill you and he just he won't continue until Spike says that line. Um, but also that he is very concerned about his looks. He talks about, we get to do, um, we get to die young and stay pretty. And he talks about how if he dies of his cancer, he's not even going to look like himself. So I find it interesting that the male character is portrayed as being so very concerned about his looks. I kind of like that. I like that too. Um, you know, I think that it's interesting. I, I think that he is able to talk to Spike that way. Because Ford has nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. He's like, if you tell me no, I'm dead anyway. So this, we're going to do this the way I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. That, that nothing to lose is definitely going to be an uh, impact on the way he handles everything. And in fact, it shows with his, he just doesn't really seem to care all that much about anything except being turned into a vampire. Yeah, like he doesn't even care about the relationships he has with these people. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like, like whenever he's like, leave them alone, he literally says it like, leave them alone. Like, mm -hmm. I'm mustering up the energy to say this. Right, um, right. He doesn't seem to totally care what they think about him mm -hmm. at all, which ironically makes him an incredibly likable character. It does, he, he is, as, as villains go, well, he's sympathetic. You know, once yeah. once you hear the "I'm gonna die" and "I'm gonna die bad," he's he's fairly sympathetic. You can understand what's motivating him to do it. Yeah, 
I kind of liked the fact that he, when he talked to, uh, well, one, he's played by Jason Bear, uh, who I met in uh, the TV show Roswell when mm-hmm. I was in high school, and oh my god. He like, did not actually meet him. No, no, no. I didn't meet him. I saw him for the first time in Roswell. And uh, I really, 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 really had a huge crush on him when I was he, in high school. He is pretty. He oh, knows man. he's pretty. Yeah. And he is. He is a he is a pretty boy. Um, I I would like to know how Ford found out that Buffy is the Slayer. You know, they never really addressed that, but he also knew about vampires. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there must have been quite a bit of research going on. He said that he, uh, and uh, given the fact that it's never clarified in the episode, I have no reason to disbelieve him. But he said that he found out shortly before um, uh, Buffy burned down the school gym, which would be a perfect time for him to find out uh, if he wanted, if like, if he wanted to also know who the Slayer was. Like, if he found out about vampires right before the school burned down, then the school burns down, and it's Buffy's fault, and, like, I guess... Then he thought about it? Yeah, like, it would be easy for him to figure it out. I wish that they had focused on that a little bit more, because I missed it. To be fair, at several points during this episode, my husband was like, hey, let's have a conversation about things, and I had to keep pausing it and backing up, like, a few seconds, like, Mm -hmm. in ten-second increments, because that's all you can do. Yeah. Um... But, so I missed that, and I wish that we had gotten to focus on that a little bit more, because I really, really, like, as as a consumer of stories, I really like it when things from the past get brought back. Mm-hmm. I really like being like, hey, look, this thing you did, it's not consequence-free. And so I almost wish that we got to see more of that, like, more of people from Buffy's past being like, I figured this out. Yeah, and not all being evil, of course. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, like... Somebody in that school is like, dude, you saved us, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, like, uh, so, uh, no, I didn't, I said I didn't like it. What I meant to say was I did like it. Um, the exact opposite. Uh, I really liked the way that Ford talked to Spike. Like, uh, you guys were talking about this, but mm-hmm. I, I loved, like, how he saw himself as the villain and decided to do this as playing a game because to him that was the easier way to rationalize the fact that he was killing a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um, so he made it into a game and like he tried to have fun with it and like I thought that it was great that they made this villain like a monster of the week villain as opposed to a like a, a regular villain because I feel like that would have gotten grading really fast. Um, yeah. And it was definitely like because like we all we liked uh, we liked him for, we liked Ford for a little while, um, but, uh, even Spike was like, I've known you for a few minutes, for two minutes, and I already can't stand you. Yeah. I don't think that, that a character like Ford can actually last more than a few episodes. Yeah. I don't think, I don't even think he could last more than one episode, because it wouldn't just get grading, it would become nonsensical. Like, there's no reason that Spike would not kill him. Yeah. Um... And yeah, like you just, you can't have that much posturing from multiple characters. Mm -hmm. Like Spike is not going to put up with somebody one upping him all the time. Yeah. And he's going, he either Spike is going to die trying to do something about it or he will successfully do something Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, I have a question about Ford. Okay. Why did Buffy ditch Owen and be okay with Ford. Does that make sense? 
And that was a really oddly phrased question. Um, I don't know that she was okay with Ford so much as that was coming at the same time that she thought Angel had a thing for Drusilla, and so she was turning to Ford as a way to turn away from Angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the other fact, uh, when she met Owen, Owen was, had the shit beat out of him by a vampire, and, and Owen loved every second of it, and wanted more, like, he wanted more, <laughs> um, whereas, uh, Ford responded to the whole thing by being like, oh, you're the Slayer, no, it's cool, let's go to the, let's just do stuff that's fun, and not at all vampire-related. Ah, shit, vampires again. And then he fights He fights a vampire, quote-unquote, and defeats it. So Buffy's all like, well, this guy's cool then. Yeah, that's true. She, he, didn't, he didn't act like he was attracted to the danger so much as he acted like he accepted what was going on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which is more related, more similar to the way that Buffy and Xander deal with it as opposed to the way that Owen dealt you with it. You mean Willow and Xander? Yes, Willow and Xander. Okay. Um, little side point here. I really appreciated the establishing that Angel has permission to come into Willow's house, which will become a uh, uh, plot point later in the season when what's her, I just forgot her father's name. This would have been so funny if I could have remembered her father's name. It's a very Jewish name. Mr. Rosenberg? <laughs> well, yes. Ira? It might be Ira. When, when she comments uh, about how Ira Rosenberg is going to react to her having crucifixes in her house. <laughs> um, at any rate. Um, I want to point out, since we've talked about Spike and Drew a little bit already, I want to point out that Spike asks for Drew's permission. To do what? Um, I think it's when they are, yeah, when Ford comes and offers the trade, Spike turns to Drew and sort of asks for like, like he doesn't specifically say, but he looks at her and you like you can tell that he is not going to go forward with this unless Drew says okay. They and have a great relationship. They do like man, Spike and Drusilla have a really fantastic relationship. For coming out of what Victorian England, yeah, they have a, a fairly modern relationship of equals that I really appreciate. She even has that great moment where she looks at where uh, Spike's like, "Can I kill him now?" And Drusilla very strongly. Shakes her head. Yeah, like, Spike asks Drusilla for permission to do a lot of things. And I just think that's, like, I don't know. I just, Spike and Drusilla are really great. Mm. And every now and then, I think about how nobody else in the Scooby gang ever saw Spike and Drusilla. And I'm like, I bet if they had, they would have a better opinion of Spike. Probably. Because we have a better opinion of Spike. Well, Buffy has a great opinion of Spike by the end. Willow has a pretty good opinion of Spike. Xander's the only one who opines negatively of every guy that's ever slept with Buffy or may sleep with Buffy. I did not have an issue with Xander in this episode. I did. I did not. He toned it down a lot in he, this episode. He did. He was still doing that. I don't like anybody who's moving in on Buffy, but it wasn't as obnoxious as it's been it was not It wasn't as overt. It was like he was managing to have some self-control about it mm-hmm. and not say things out loud and be a jerk. No, like, so, uh, I thought it was very telling when Buffy and, uh, Buffy and Willow are passing notes, and Buffy answers a question that Willow said, and that Willow asked her in on paper, and then, uh, Xander gets in there, and he's like, what's going on? And Willow's like, Willow says, what's going on? And Buffy says, well, are we in sh- all sharing mode now? 
Um, and she didn't want to tell Xander because the reason she, like, the reason she didn't want to tell Xander was exactly what Xander did, which was, you know, it, there's a problem with Angel? I love to know when there's a problem with Angels because if it angels, gives me a happy. If Angel's doing something wrong, I want to know. If Angel's doing something wrong, I want to know because it gives me a happy. And uh, Buffy's like, well, at least, so, at least somebody has a happy. And she says it jokingly, jokingly but thought it was very telling that she didn't want Xander to know the, know it. That's true, because Xander has been a jerk in the in the past. Um, but I think I immediately was on Xander's side in this episode a little bit when it opened when they had uh, Cordelia um, talking about Ma- Marie Antoinette, and Xander was sitting. I was so focused on Xander sitting next to her because the look on his face mm-hmm. as he was listening to Cordelia talk was just. She was going to give them cake. Yeah, and he just has this this expression of utter disbelief at what mm-hmm. Cordelia is saying, and it cracked me up. You, but you can tell in this episode that they are starting to set up that relationship between Xander and Cordelia. I feel like they've actually been setting it up for a while, because this mm-hmm. is not the first time that Xander has been watching her, yeah. like, completely focused on Cordelia and what she's doing. Right. We have had several classroom shots of this. Now, granted, generally it's while Cordelia is talking, but other people in the classroom are not solely focusing on her the way that Xander is. Right. Um, I did have a uh, David Boreanaz. I don't know why I can't say that man's name. (laughs) Boreanaz? David Boreanaz. David Boreanaz. We did have another David Boreanaz near costume fail. That jacket was bordering on too pale for him. <laughs> it wasn't quite there, but it was getting there. I feel like maybe at this point, Angel has been, Angel's re-entering society. Mm-hmm. We're getting a little, like, like, he has been out of it for a long time. And I feel like we can chalk this up to, he doesn't know what to wear. He knows that he has a few killer outfits, like the red and black, um, and then beyond that, he's like, I don't know, does this work? Will somebody tell me if it doesn't? I did love that moment with Angel in the Sunset Club when he's like, uh, they don't know what we're like. They don't know what vampires are like. They don't know how vampires dress. And then, like, the guy that's dressed exactly like Angel has uh-huh. to walk past them. I actually had to pause that for a moment in hopes that maybe that was his stand-in or his stunt double or something. <laughs> but uh, the guy was too much smaller than yeah than David. Uh, I want to call out... Boreanaz. Boreanaz. <laughs> uh, I like it when Ford is, sees Buffy with Angel and says, he looks older than her, and Xander's like, you're not, yeah, wrong. not wrong. And then Ford says something else. Cold hands. Uh, oh, oh, cold hands. hands. And Xander's like, you're not wrong. <laughs> God bless Xander. I did One thing I noticed, speaking of Ford and the Sunset Club... I, that dynamic felt a lot like the trio from season six, where we had somebody who's actually bad hanging around and taking advantage of a couple of people who are just kind of deluded. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like Ford is definitely Warren, and Chanterelle is Jonathan. And, I would have said Andrew. J- Chanterelle is Andrew. I was going with Jonathan because Chanterelle becomes very good in a very good way. So it's Andrew. Andrew becomes... Which Jonathan never becomes. Andrew becomes good in a very selfish, self-serving way. Not at the end. Not by the end. 
Because at the end, he is 100% like on board with the Slayers and the Slayerettes. Like he Jonathan is, like, is the one that gives Buffy the award at prom. Yeah, but then Jonathan does a whole lot of bad stuff afterwards, completely undoing that nice thing he did. But he does a lot of good stuff, too. This is season seven. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll say that. At any rate, much like the trio, um, and then they establish the mythos that you die and a demon moves in. You don't live forever. You die. And a demon moves on. See, they do establish that mythos, and I, but I feel like that is the telling of the mythos from what people know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not entirely true, because if that were entirely true, Drusilla would not still have her powers. Right. So well, they do is, say that you've got your memories, and... There is something left of the human that was there. Mm-hmm. They say that there's no soul left, but I feel like when you're, when you're watching a TV show, all you get is the research that the characters can access. So all the characters can know is what we see. In a book, you can get the word of God through narration. But when you only get to learn about the world through characters, you just have to know what they know. Right. And um, and so I feel like there's something more. It's not just about your memories. Because if it were just about the memories, then Drusilla wouldn't have her powers. Okay. There is something... Like, something was already special about Drusilla, mm-hmm. and that carried over into well, her being a vampire. Well, it just means that her powers are tied to her body and not her soul. I mean, it's the same thing in my world. If you were to take somebody's, somebody's consciousness out and replace it with another consciousness, that consciousness would have access to all the powers within that person. So, take when Raiden turned her into a vampire, would she be an electrokinetic? I mean, she obviously would, because Drusilla's still a clairvoyant. Well, but her soul would still be gone. And we've established that the soul... We have established that that is what people in this world believe. No, we've established that it's true, because in in this season, we're going to have somebody lose their soul as a result of of a natural curse, and then they're going to have that soul brought back, and we're going to see the effects of that. This... I think that arguing things about, like, the soul is very strange and esoteric and ephemeral and difficult to do. Because they also establish, not just in Buffy, but in multiple universes across worlds and writers and creators, that the soul is the conscience, which is something else that goes, like the sense of guilt and responsibility that vampires oh, have. Oh, your, your, your conscious, not your consciousness. Yeah, your conscience. Okay. Sorry, I said that bad. No, you, uh, didn't, you said it fine. It's just I jumped to a conclusion about what you meant. Um, you said that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> poorly. I said it poorly. Um, I might have said consciousness when I meant conscience. I'm not sure. You okay. said conscience. Oh, I did? Okay. Um, but I, I feel like if Gwen Raiden's powers are tied to her body, if Drusilla's powers are tied to her body, you could study that. You could see that. You could find that. We... Initiative. Which can't do that. The electrical guns? Maybe they studied Gwen Raiden's power. Okay, no. <laughs> no, just make that up. Um, and so I think that there is something else. I think that what vamp... You can call it a soul because that's what the show calls it. But it's, it is essentially their feeling of guilt and responsibility. Their ownership of the mm-hmm. consequences to their actions. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is something else. It's not just that simple. When you're dealing with magic, I think it's never that simple. And I think you can't come up with a, a wholly satisfying answer to something. 
because it's fucking magic. And if we could come up with a wholly satisfying answer, it would be science. Well, I think I think if you take somebody's, if somebody was very very well raised, had a lot of really positive experiences, and developed strong connections with people, like they would have all the memories that caused them to do those things. They they have all those memories of those experiences. If they suddenly lost their inhibition or, uh, like or, her their conscious conscience. Uh, through some means like either magical or a brain trauma can cause that to happen um, Because like you can break certain parts of your brain and that can cause your empathy to go away which along with it goes to your conscience um, and that um, That causes that individual to behave differently but they but I think that some individuals are able to at least maintain their life because they feel things differently but they have those memories. So I think that I, I think that, for instance, with Spike, all of his memories of growing up, like that, uh, all of that would be brought in to Spike. So although Spike's a demon with the bloodlust, like Spike would also know what it was like to love so intensely, and so he would, like he would be able to, as a result of that. So yeah, I think something does remain of the person. Um, I and I think just, that it's something more than just memories, because if it were some, if it were just memories, Drusilla and Drusilla would not have her powers. Is all I'm saying. And I think it's fucking magic, and so you got to stop trying to explain it like it's science. Oh, I, I also it's think Adrian is never convinced of anything. Yeah, I also think that. Too. So, so we will just we'll allow the audience <laughs> to decide. We will just leave that point and move on. I like that Xander says. No, no, we shouldn't leave that point. We should actually make a poll on Twitter. Okay, do so. All right, so the poll is going to be... Is Drusilla's powers magic? Are Drusilla's powers magic? Are Drusilla's powers magic? Or are they just a part of her body? I hate this. Oh, I hate that question, too. <laughs> I don't hate the question. I hate the poll. You I'm hate not, the poll? I, I don't, I don't, I well, actually, this episode's not going up for a few weeks, so don't put the poll up yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Are Drusilla's powers tied to her or her body? Tied to her soul or her body? No, because we already know that she doesn't have a soul. According to Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied to... Like, this is the problem, is we don't have a term... Self. We don't don't have a terminology, but we're having a 1984 lack of vocabulary problem. Because they've already taken the word soul from us by applying it to this other thing. And so, I feel like we are just having a difficulty of explaining this other thing. Okay, are Drusilla's powers tied to her or her body? I like it. Uh, I really like that Xander says the line once more with tension. Yes, I love it. Yes! I love it, especially because Xander's the one that summons sweets. Mm Mm-hmm. That was pretty great. I bolded it in my notes. I made a note that Spike is apparently a very neat eater because he is buried fang deep in Chanterelle's neck, and when he looks up, there is not a drop of blood to be seen. He does that often, though, doesn't he? Yeah. I think that um, I think that Spike's a little fussy about how he looks. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. He definitely is. Um, I thought that's... that I thought when the vampire touches the blood, the blood that like goes out, like always turns to dust, like the moment the vampire releases. No, lots of vampires have blood all over their faces. Okay, because I've never seen. I haven't seen too many with vampires. Well, I guess I must have. 
I was yeah. I, I had made a note to slightly change the subject. I said that look, this is the first time we're legit cheering for Spike, but then I remembered, oh no, he destroyed the anointed one. That was the first time I th- we're legit cheering for Spike. I th- yeah, I think that Spike's a really successful character because they are basically using, like, he's basically pest control. Yes. <laughs> um, he is legitimately cleaning, like, from mm-hmm. from episode one with him in it, mm-hmm. he is going through cleaning up the stuff that is annoying the viewer. Yes. But yeah, when, when he turned to Ford... He and, and Drusilla both. Yeah, he and Drusilla both turned to Ford, and you're like, oh, they're going to fuck him up. <laughs> and they didn't. I had a huge problem with that. Mm-hmm. And this is actually reason number one why this this did not get five Mr. Pointies. Okay. Um, it was the fact that, like, after what's after the, like, incredible failure that was mm-hmm. uh, Ford's plan... Um, Especially considering that Drusilla nearly got staked. Like, Spike should have not been in the mood to turn him. I'm going to try and talk you into a five, because let me... I, I think you're going to, but give me a second. Okay. I, I think, I, I think you're, you're going to try, but I think I've already predicted what you're going to say. Okay. But let me finish. Let me finish. Um, so, having failed so, so terribly, I wanted, I, like, what I pictured was torture, mutilation, and death. Okay. Like... Like, they should not have found a body. They should have found Ford in multiple pieces scattered throughout the room. I, no, 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 I get to argue. I get to yeah, argue first. Well, I, can, can I just say one sentence real quick? Spike and Drusilla don't do that. Okay. Here's the thing. Spike, one, had agreed to turn Ford. Ford did his part of the bargain. He delivered Buffy. Yeah. And Buffy... So it was not Ford's failure that Buffy got away. Um, so... Spike did what he said he was going to do. However, he left Ford's body there instead of taking it with him. If he had taken Ford with him, Ford could have survived. But he left Ford there knowing that he was going to rise as a vampire and Buffy was going to stake him. He was going to get half a second of immortality and it was going to be taken from him. I want to add to that that I don't think that Spike blamed Ford. I think that Spike was upset with himself for bringing Drusilla because he was not going to bring Drusilla, and then she asked to come. And Spike gave in to her and brought her along. And so I think Spike was somewhere along as a fuck, she wasn't strong enough, I shouldn't have brought her. And two, I think that Spike knew Buffy was going to kill Ford because Spike knew that Buffy knew everything that had gone down. Yeah. And so by leaving Ford's body there, he was, one, maintaining the deal, the bargain that he had made, and two, forcing Buffy to kill this guy. And I didn't, I, I didn't actually think uh, that um, he knew Buffy's relationship with, like, that Spike knew about Buffy's relationship with Ford, uh, because I didn't get the impression that Ford and Spike had talked very much. No, I didn't think that he knew the, Buffy, the relationship, but I think he knew that Buffy was going to kill Ford because Buffy knew that Ford had offered to trade her. Yeah, okay, okay, that... That makes it different. Alright. I think I've been convinced. Spike is smart. He's impulsive, but he's pretty smart. Um, I did have two other questions, though. Why does Buffy spare Drusilla? Do you think it's just because she thinks that... Or just because she knows that Angel has some sort of attachment to her? Because Buffy could have staged Drusilla then and fucked up seven seasons of television. I think it would have been wrong for her to do so. Why? Because she promised not to if 
they allowed everyone but to But Buffy leave. makes promises to vampires all the time. Yeah, but it would have been Buffy really... makes flippant promises to vampires all the time. I have a different point of view, which is that she already knew Spike's... the intensity of Spike's feeling for Drusilla, and I think she knew that if she released Drusilla, Spike would be distracted caring for her. If she killed Drusilla, Spike was coming for her. That makes sense. I'll go with that. And second, they talk about vampires being picky, but Buffy's in the graveyard nearly every night waiting for new vampires to spring up. Mm-hmm. And... That made like, I was like, are vampires picky? Because it seems like a lot of people get turned in this little town. Yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> I uh, am out of notes. I'm not out of notes, but I have one thing I want to do at the very last. Um, I want to mention, uh, give a shout out to Willow's bedtime lipstick. <laughs> it yeah, was, what the hell was that? I, I like to imagine that before Angel got there, she was playing with makeup before bed. Makeup that she would never actually wear to school. I, I, I can accept that. Headcanon accepted. Um, and I just thought it looked really good on her. And I think it was also pretty reminiscent of whatever she wears in Doppelgangland. I just love, I like, there's so many things where I'm like, is this a deliberate reference? Like, did you know someday you were going to do this? Or when he decided to do it, was he just like, oh, hey, let's go back and comb the archives here. <laughs> um, I have another complaint about Jenny Calendar. Yeah. She was really great when she was first introduced. Mm -hmm. But then she sort of disappears, and then she starts showing up and doing fucking jack-all. And in this episode, Buffy is talking about important, relevant things, and Jenny Callender derails the conversation to talk about the date that Monster she trucks. and Giles had. And also... Why did Jenny take Giles to see monster trucks? I don't know. Jenny's not stupid. Also, I don't see her as a monster truck kind of girl. Yeah, like, Jenny in this episode felt incredibly like the worst kind of manic pixie dream girl. A little bit, yeah. Like, I don't really like that title, but in this one, she just doesn't seem, to, like, her characterization to me felt off and not there. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly annoyed that she stopped talking about an important thing. To, and it was a joke. I get that it was like for the laughs that they had her doing this. Mm -hmm. But still, I'm like, Jenny, you're an adult. Yeah. I also, for the first time in this episode, really noticed how much older Giles looks than Jenny. Hmm. For the first time? I knew that, that he was older than her. But for the first time in this one, I was like, she's like early 30s. And he is not. Yeah. I guess I just notice how much younger he looks than I, than the image I have in my head. And so that kind of distracts me from, from the rest of it. Yeah. I just, I don't know, man. Something about, like, when she's walking away from him and she's being all playful in the hall, something just really struck me about how much, when they're really close. And, like, I don't know, he just looked so much older than hmm. her. And I was like... I can see them being friends, but suddenly with this big age difference and Jenny being the way that Jenny has been portrayed a lot, mm -hmm. I don't, I suddenly did not buy that they would date. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Jack, do you have anything else? No, just my final rating. Okay. Let's, let's have the final rating. Um, so I was, I'm very torn because of the fact that like, I rated it a four Mr. Pointies out of five. And then you guys had that had that great comment about my primary problem with the episode. 
But then I recognized, like, I had, like, other issues with the episode. Like, I, like, I think, like, the episode was, had, had so much stuff in it. Like, it was so packed. I felt like they barely touched on some of the things that they really needed to, like, delve into more. Okay. Um, I, I feel like this would have been a really great two-parter. I don't think so. I don't think Borg could last two parts. Well, I don't think I don't think they would. We would have had as much Ford necessarily, but we would have needed more like Drusilla and like other stuff, like make it more of an event. I see what um, you're saying. It feels like there's enough emotional stuff to unpack here, and enough like lore stuff to unpack to do that. But I don't think there's enough action to carry two parts. That's possible. Because um, like Drusilla and Spike are just fucking waiting for nighttime for yeah, most of it. I don't it. know. Like for me, for me though, this episode was missing something. Like, and maybe it's not what I'm saying. Maybe it's something else. But emotionally, I cannot bring myself to give it a five. Okay. Fair enough. So we're going with four? Yeah. Four I, and five. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I like that a lot. One of the things I really do like about this episode is that this is the, I think the first episode, well, this is the first episode where the clear bad guy is also not a clear bad guy. Yeah. We had it a little bit in Nightmares where the bad guy is the kid, but it's not even really the kid. What about Mummy Juanita? What? What about Mummy Juanita? Like Ink and they, Mummy Girl. Yeah, but they screwed it at the end. Had she decided not to bite Xander and died anyway, I feel like that episode would have had the emotional complexity that this one has. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because she already, like, she had already at that point killed a whole bunch of people to get to where she was. Yeah. And um, and Jason, I mean, Ford, Ford didn't kill a single person. Ford didn't kill a single person. Ford sort of set something up where everybody involved except Buffy was a willing participant in something that he wasn't 100% sure they were all going to make it through. I just, this moment... He has plausible deniability. Uh, remember oh something no. that makes me think that Buffy and Spike actually maybe hadn't even communicated, but had an understanding. Because after Buffy shuts everyone in the basement, and um, she makes some comment about having to come back later, and they say, what for? And she says, for the body. So Buffy knew. Buffy knew what, Bu what Spike was going to do. Mm -hmm. She knew that there was going to be a body there and that she was going to have to stake him. You know, I think that maybe, maybe what's missing for Jay is a shot of Buffy and Spike making eye contact. Yeah, something like that would have been really great. That would have been good. Like, Buffy and Spike making eye contact, or I would even go with Buffy and Drusilla making eye contact, because mm. then I could buy that Drusilla says something to Spike later. Yeah. But I think that that might be the one piece of this that we're missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um... I'm going to make a couple of announcements here. Uh, we Did you are... said you had one more thing at the end? Are you I, waiting until the very end? I'm waiting. Oh, I'll do it now. I just wanted to go with um, Giles' comment at the end after Buffy tells him to lie to her. And Giles says, yes, it's terribly simple. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. And we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and everyone lives happily ever after. Liar. I really love that line. So a few announcements. Uh, we are, of course, a member of the Gumby Cat Networks, which we're very happy about. And thank you for inviting us to join. Um, 
There are some fantastic podcasts on there. I really encourage you to uh, go check out GumbyCatNetworks.com. In addition to our other two podcasts, Collective Snark and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, uh, there's a collection of uh, art, pop culture, nerdy stuff. Um, I've been really enjoying one called Ultimate Showdown, where they debate who would win in a fight. And is a lot more entertaining than you might think based on that description. <laughs> and you should check us out on our Instagram and Twitter, which are both once more W Buffy. Uh-huh. And I think that's it. Grr. Arg. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.